As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Welcome back on board once again today as the Minnesota Vikings are officially the 2017 NFC North Division Champions. <laughs> yep, the wait is over. Uh, the fears are... Done. Green Bay lost today to the uh, Carolina Panthers. The Eagles won uh, just barely over the Giants. But, well, they just barely beat the Giants. So, hmm, hopefully. Uh, hopefully something changes in the next week or so. We'll talk about that more in segment number two. At this point, it's segment number one. What is that all about? Well, talking about the current game. Minnesota 37, no, 34-2-7 <laughs> over the Cincinnati Bengals. The battered and defeated and quitting uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it just kind of is what it is. Marvin Lewis is moving on for to pursue other uh, opportunities, whatever that means, to be a defensive coordinator, to try to be a head coach in college or in in NFL, or to take up a different take up a different chapter in his life. Whatever it is, I have no idea what they mean, uh, other than, well, he's either quit or get either quit or we're moving on either way. So we'll try to dignify, we, we want to dignify you because you've been here for a long time. Even though things have gone south for quite a while, they haven't won a divi- uh, playoff game since 1988. They've won divisions and all that. They've been in the playoffs. They had promise. Uh, and again, I will continue to reiterate. Oh, remember how? Oh, we just missed out so much. See, we drafted Christian Ponder, and he was terrible. But you know, Andy Dalton slipped in that that draft behind Christian Ponder. I mean, how lame are the Vikings for passing on Andy Dalton now? See, so, you now Cincinnati's getting to the playoffs, and. That's exactly what the uh, Cincinnati Bengals did in the playoffs when they would make it. Uh, just <laughs> It was just a bunch of and, and you hear the chirping, right? You hear the chirping. And that's what something Cincinnati's been known to do as well, as well and defensively with penalties and stuff and intentionally injuring players in playoff games and playoff losses. Remember, they almost had a playoff win last year and they just choked it away at the last second. And it's just typical Cincinnati. And now here they are. All these years later, you know, after Marvin Lewis took over, just you know, they're kind of back to being what Cincinnati was in the past. Just they were they were a crap team. Marvin Lewis came, things got a little bit better, this and that, and then they got a lot better for a little while, but still never that good. And the discipline on and off the field was very much lacking. And yeah, it kind of reminded you of Dennis Green at the end. And again, it's not because Dennis Green and Marvin Lewis are comparable because they're completely different coaches. Just saying how things went south, kind of like Mike Tice as well. That's the reason why Mike Tice is no longer head coach of the Vikings, because things went south at the end with discipline on and off the field, especially off the field. That was a lot of Mike Tyson's undoing. Um, So we'll see what happens at Cincinnati. 
Um, I always thought Mike Zimmer would end up being their head coach and that we wouldn't get him at the end of the day. We'd end up getting Jay uh, Gruden or something like that. Oh, history, how it would have been different and probably not as good because this Mike Zimmer defense is as good as it gets. Uh, they're back to work. Yes, this was a team that's quitting on its coach, on itself. It's not even quitting on the coach as much as it's quitting on itself. I'm sure they're just quitting on everything, quitting on the organization at the moment until they have somebody else that can take over and whip them back into uh, football, you know, mentality, football shape, start playing disciplined football again, which is, I, I don't know, it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, Cincinnati wouldn't have scored if not for a uh, tipped pass interception by a guy by the name of... Uh, <clears throat> Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, uh, Teddy's back. Teddy is back. Welcome back to Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> we really, really nice to see. You saw skittish play out there. And of course, I'm jumping ahead, but I might as well talk about that now until I get into the actual game review. Teddy Bridgewater got in. It was 34 to nothing. It's the fourth quarter. Keenum had done his job. I mean, after leading the Vikings to a touchdown, Early in that fourth quarter, 34 nothing. I mean, just please put Teddy in there. And then you saw why a lot of us wanted <laughs> Coach Zimmer and Pat Trimmer to put Teddy Bridgewater in there with a 34 nothing score because you saw a guy who was skittish. I saw a guy who didn't know what, what to do at the moment because it's like he was in the moment of, oh my God, I'm back. I'm in the NFL again. I'm actually active. I'm playing again. I'm on the field. And these defensive linemen are actually going to hit me now. They're not, uh, I'm, I'm not wearing the red jersey in practice. They're actually going to hit me. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of unfortunate. So it's a little different, a little awkward at the beginning. And you know what? <laughs> He's not the first quarterback to go through that. So he saw a little bit better uh, mobility, a little bit better release on his pass. But then stupid dingle hopper Michael Floyd drops the ball. Just a sure sure catch. And even uh, Adam Thielen guilty of a couple drops again today. At least one in particular. Just very catchable. But whatever. It's just uh, little things today. Hopefully the Vikings can clean up. Because, you know, in a game like this, you get kind of sloppy. You get kind of, you know, too comfortable. And you make dumb penalties, you know, taunting call on curse. What are you doing? What are you doing, taunting? Come on. And then uh, Nick Easton with multiple penalties, the illegal hands to the face, false start. Okay, Todd Stussy, let's cut that stuff out now. False start number 73 offense. We all remember that. The awesome uh, tackle for the Vikings for quite a while there. Man, he was something, wasn't he? He was good, but he was guilty of a lot of stupid penalties, too. And uh, Nick Easton's got to cut that stuff out a little bit. Um, yeah, he's a little bit too much sometimes, and that's too bad because he's, he's a good offensive lineman, guard or center, obviously. Pat Elfline was back. Uh, Mike Remmers was back, finally, for the first time in forever, and he was halfway decent. He did get one call against him today, but okay. It was a false start type of thing. Okay, so one. Um, you don't hear him as much, and he was solid for the most part. Um, you saw quarterbacks throughout the game today and throughout the day in general just go down as they're touched. They kind of did a, a, a Stefan Diggs, kind of like what Diggs did last week. Oh, I'm down already. They just fall down, basically, and one of the Cincinnati players or Minnesota players touched the quarterback in uh, Andy Dalton's case. <laughs> yeah, you saw a little bit of that today. Little guys tripping and falling down. Yep, that's a, that, that's a sack. It counts. Go catch your walleye, Mr. Uh, Brian Robinson. So, good for him. Uh, nice, nice for Brian Robinson picking up some sacks today. It, it's kind of like this game was so easy and so comfortable pretty much from the get-go. Other than the near interception thrown by Case Keenum fairly early there. I don't know how the Cincinnati player dropped the ball. 
My goodness, I mean, that was, uh, whoa, that kind of scared me a little bit. Just a <laughs> danger zone. I believe it was Sean Williams that uh, should have had it, and he did get rewarded with one later off of Teddy Bridgewater. Damn it. But um, mm, that would, uh, or was it, uh, I can't remember. I, I know Denard got called for a pass interference on Thielen in there. Um, kind of a ticky-tack, but we'll take it again. Um, or was it Jackson? I don't know. Those are the three guys that were in there most of the time that had a potential interception there. And it doesn't matter because it was early in the game and it's like I didn't write it down at the moment because it's just there was a comfortable thing, a comfortable feeling coming into this game for the most part. And Andy Dalton gave us reason to feel more and more comfortable with the pick six he threw. And of course, Case Keenum leading the Vikings right through that Cincinnati defense. The run defense for Cincinnati, very weak throughout the game today. Uh, Jarek McKinnon looking like freaking uh, trying to compare him to uh, somebody. Jeez, I mean, Re- the good Reggie Bush when he was really multifaceted. I'm trying to think of some others that are much better than that guy, though. But uh, 114 receptions along the way, and he was a part of a lot of the big gains throughout the game and part of uh, stat stuffing from Case Keenum. Okay, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just it added the yards and all that uh, for Case Keenum. He had that near interception, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play for Cincinnati? Um, (laughs) Case Keenum was just accurate. He was solid. He made it look easy. Latavius Murray ran through that defense pretty well for the most part. There were some shorter plays, but it's going to happen. So ultimately, just under four yards a carry, and he did get in the end zone, did Latavius Murray at the goal line. That was very early in the game and made us all feel awesome. And then right after that, again, Kendricks with the pick six and blah, blah, blah. Cincinnati also failed on a... Uh, just, just, just a dumb team, you know, dumb team right now. They filled on a fourth down on their own 39, and then we had to settle for a field goal because we kept getting pushed back, unfortunately. A couple punts for, uh, for our punter today, but, oh, oh well. Uh, Kai Forbath was able to bank in a 53-yarder. That was nice, I guess. Uh, he almost missed it, but it went through. So, kind of depends on which way the wind was, would, would have been blowing if it was an outdoor game, if he would have made it or missed it. Um, so, hopefully... Vikings play a lot of home games in the playoffs. In fact, all of them, including that Super Bowl and all that. So maybe we don't have to worry about the wind uh, helping that ball miss. Maybe sometimes the wind would help, though, push it in. <laughs> if the wind's at his face, though, that that, that would have missed for sure. Uh, Kai Forbeth added a 35-yarder later. He got all his extra points. That was nice. But no, the accuracy of Case Keenum... Again, other than that one kind of, it wasn't underthrown in terms of it was like it was a weak throw. It was underthrown in terms of accuracy. But okay, luckily the Cincinnati player could not hang on to the ball early. But other than that, again, Case Keenum sharp as all get out. He looked wonderful throughout the game. And you know what? He was good against Carolina last week, too. Uh, it's just unfortunately a couple interceptions that weren't all his fault, you could definitely say, happened at the time. Uh, Keenum t- sacked twice in the game. Andy Dalton sacked three times. It felt like 17. Uh, Dalton would have another interception in the game as well. And the Viking defense just looked solid. It's just, uh, again, do you take this one as, like, do you do take this one as, um, is the Vikings defense is just unstop is just, you know, n- nobody can get through them, or is just the Cincinnati team garbage right now? So, uh, again, you know, it's not the best test for our defense, where Carolina was last week, and you saw some, some negative... Uh, gap control, all that type of nonsense happening multiple times throughout that game. You saw three 60-yard plays in that game, which is really, really ridiculous. Um, so there was that, and today you didn't see anything of the sort other than 
was one reception that ended up being 45 yards after the Vikings were flagged early in that play. So that was unfortunate as Cincinnati finally got in the end zone along the way one single time. And again, that was due to the uh, the, the end zone play that the Cincinnati Bengals had, had good field position due to the interception from Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. Um, at the end of the day, Stefan Diggs was okay. He had five catches that were all very close range, but he caught everyone but one. Of course, one of them was just a throwaway anyway. And yeah, Thielen had a Thielen had a drop, and he, he you know another one a throwaway. This and that. Jarius Wright looked like he was hurt a little bit, but luckily got back up. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, another one of those plays, kind of a slant into the end zone, and you gotta love that when Rudolph, the redhead tight end, is able to bring those in short yardage in a short yardage situation. Of course, you had. Mr. Latavius Murray in there, not Jerick McKinnon, but overall strong, solid game. For the Vikings offense as a whole, the offensive line looked better. Again, Cincinnati's defense had been aggressive in the past, very aggressive, in fact, not even that long ago, but now down they go. Uh, Tyler Croft had a funny moment where he dropped a pass. He was just wide open and he just dropped it. That figured. <laughs> but uh, Jerick McKinnon, again, 114 yards receiving, including a 41-yard scamper, catch-and-go type of deal. He was targeted eight times by uh, Mr. Case Keenum. Seven catches. Jarek McKinnon helping lead this offense. Multiple 20-yard gains along the way as well for Jarek McKinnon. Just showing his insane, incredible value. Um, Latavius Murray running up the middle. Jarek McKinnon just kind of doing that, you know, you got the east-west style from Jarek McKinnon, the north-south style from Latavius Murray. They complement each other so well. And then, of course, again, like I could say a thousand times, Jerick McKinnon, his ability just to make plays on those screens. He's just unbelievable on those screen plays, and he really, really helps this Vikings offense look damn, 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 damn good. And, boy, his value will be off the charts going into the postseason. His quickness, his ability to catch the ball, his ability to make a block on occasion, and, of course, you have Latavius Murray blocking as well. And C.J. Ham's value is off the charts like it has been pretty much since he got here, uh, particularly this season anyway. Adding to that offensive line, run protection, and even pass protection, C.J. Ham's value off the charts for this club. Got to see Brian Hill in action for the first time because I really liked him coming into the draft. Like Not like he's this great player, but that he he's a hopeful. Maybe he could be like a Latavius Murray type in a couple years. Uh, finally active as he came from Atlanta to Cincinnati. Um, and he hurt his ankle. Damn it. He, he, he got five rushes in the game, but hurt his ankle. And also you did not see Joe Mixon due to concussion protocol. Joe Mixon, the counterpart of Delvin Cook. Both of, both of those guys not available in this game, unfortunately. As the NFL schedule would have liked to see those two guys play in the game. That would have been kind of cool. Two counterparts. Uh, both guys were definitely on the Vikings radar. And ultimately Minnesota making the move for Delvin Cook, trading up in the draft. And, well, it is what it is. They traded up with Cincinnati, and then Cincinnati ended up taking Joe Mixon. So, kind of figures. Um, Brandon LaFell had multiple opportunities in the game, several that were missed, dropped, this and that, overthrown, inaccurate passes by Andy Dalton. It was just awful throughout the game. Ultimately, two catches, 53 yards for him, and that 45-yard play late in the game to finally get them on the board. Uh, there were a couple plays, though, stupid penalties in the game. You know, just unnecessary, again, like I said, illegal hands to the face and such like that, uh, taunting and all that. It's just, let's let's try to stay away from some of that, and hopefully the Vikings can clean up their act as we head into some more important games here. Obviously, Green Bay is still important. If Atlanta wins tomorrow, though, Green Bay will not be important. Will they keep Aaron Rodgers in there? Probably 
like 95% chance. I, I don't think Rodgers is the type that's just going to sit out just because his team is out for the uh, is out unless he feels very sore and really figures why stay in there <laughs> going against Minnesota. They might injure me again, damn it. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But 11 and 3 records, number 2 in the NFC. Yes, it does get better and we hopefully will get better. Um but Vikings looking wonderful. A lot of us weren't expecting an 11-3 and record going into the final two weeks of the season, playing the Green Bay Packers, who are all but completely eliminated from the playoffs. There's no way in hell they can win the division now. They have seven losses, so they can only win nine games. Blah, blah, blah. That's the good part. Again, trying to think of other notes along the way through this game. Again, just the defense making it look easy. Terrence Newman had an interception added. He was solid in the game. Got beat a little bit, but ultimately deflected two passes. And again, did get an interception. Uh, Brian Robinson credited for two sacks. Of course, one of them, again, basically Andy Dalton tripped. And Brian Robinson was the closest guy to him. So, I guess he sacked him. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Uh, Just overall easy game for the Vikings defense throughout the game. J. Ron Kirsch got extended playing time. That was nice to see. uh, Harrison Harrison Smith, obviously, just solid throughout the whole game. Never had any fears of anything along the way. Xavier Rhodes, solid as well. I mean, I really have no complaints about the defense. Just the penalties, sloppy play. You know, that's the only fear. Just eliminate some of that nonsense, and hopefully this team can, uh, well, you know, you, you just can't afford to do that kind of stuff in a playoff game. So, and again, Marcus Sherrill's kind of a dumb, you know, obviously there was a, a, a an illegal block to the back from uh, Ben Gideon, who also was injured a little bit on the play, but luckily stayed in the game. But Marcus Sherrill's, like, why... You know, usually I call him fair catch Sherrills for a reason because he usually just calls for the fair catch and stays put. And then today he called for almost no fair catches until much later. And I'm guessing that <laughs> Prefer out there told him, hey, start start calling for some fair catches here because that was just pointless. As Sherrills, there was a play where he had all these gunners around him, Cincinnati gunners around him, and he tried to make a return. He ended up losing two yards. And then, of course, Ben Gideon with the illegal block to the back. So instead of... It was just stupid. If you call for a fair catch, hopefully you don't have to worry about an illegal block to the back because he's just catching the ball. There's no play. There's no play to be made. So, I mean, instead of being on the 35-yard line, you're on, like, the the 18. Like, what are you doing? Just stupid dummy. So I was not happy about that. Uh, Stupid decision-making by Marcus Sherrills on occasion. But uh, he had a couple of good returns. In fact, right now he's, like, the only returner because the other guys have been deactivated. The other guys have been in the draft, Coley and Adams. Boy, that didn't work out too good yet, but maybe one day. Uh, Ryan Quigley had five punts in the game, if you can believe it, with a score like that. But, of course, one of the touchdowns was a pick six, so that's what that is. Both Kevin Huber and Ryan Quigley, both excellent punting today, so good for them. As now I'm talking about punting, <laughs> Geno Atkins had two sacks, both of the sacks for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then we also saw Andre Smith out there, and he was hurt in the game as well. Who knows if fans were giving him a hard time. I'm not sure. We got him from Cincinnati, came here, did nothing, basically was hurt most of the year anyway, and he went back to Cincinnati. So, woohoo. That was the end of that story. Let's pass out the awards. Again, it's just not a whole lot of, you know, things to say other than it was a nice, wonderful, comfortable win against a team that's pretty much quit on its coach, and, well, it is what it is. Uh, Luckily, the Vikings took care of business, and Guy Forbath didn't miss anything. Made all four extra points, made both field goals, had to bank one in from 53 yards, but at least he made it. (laughs) Randy Bullock only got to attempt one extra point, no field goals, 
for Cincy. Okay, enough of that. So, yeah, I'm just trying to cover every little angle because it's like there's, you know, just it was just a game that was comfortable. And we'll take it. Comfort food, I guess, for the Vikings. Comfort food for the Vikings in a sense. As things still you know, maybe get a little bit less comfortable going into Green Bay, as it will be pretty cold next weekend, as it is Packer Week. It doesn't have the quite the same meaning as it might have had Aaron Rodgers not broken his collarbone in the first place. So, you know, but hey, I'm not complaining, I suppose, at this point. Fran Tarkington Award. You know, the defense was so good throughout the game. But it's like the offense, you know, you, you always question the offense. What can they do? This, that. In the case, Keenum has just continues to lead this team, continues to be so solid, so accurate, and answer all the doubters. And he just he just answers them quickly. He answers them early. He answers them often. And, I mean, when you're talking 83%, quarterback rating just under 140, and all that, you know, and you know, and you know one thing that we have to talk about, you just can never ever, ever take this for granted because, well, two two running backs I'm going to talk about here, you can never take for granted because, well, the greatest running back ever, so to speak, Adrian Peterson, every time he touched the ball, you were afraid there might be a fumble at some point. And it happened, you know, it, it always had happened in the playoff games too. It happened against, you know, and, and it would happen in, in games that cost us home field advantage, that stupid-ass Bears game, when Devin Aromachi do it, 150 freaking yards on the Vikings. That is just atrocious. Three catches, all like 50-plus yards. Just bull crap. That's what that was. Devin Aromachadu. And then a year later, we got him. Wasn't that precious? We signed him, and he did nothing because he's Devin Aromachadu. He's not anybody else. He's just Devin Aromachadu. <laughs> so the point at the moment. Okay, so not only, see, now Case Keenan protected the ball, the turnovers, but the running game. Latavius Murray, his hands, his arms get whacked nonstop, and he doesn't fumble. Now I'm going to keep knocking on wood here. That guy protects the football. He always has two hands on the ball. How many hands does Latavius Murray always have on the ball? Let's let, let's say it one more time. Two. How many hands does a adult person have, usually? Two. And he hung on to the ball. He always hangs on to the ball with two hands. You don't see the style points and... You know, it's like you're flexing as you're running, like you're, you're, you're Mega Man running in the, like an anime-style video or something. You know what? Protect the bleeping football because you're going to look like a bleeping idiot if you fumble. And Latavius Murray does not fumble. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that. Jarek McKinnon had a fumbling problem for a little while during the season, during some of those good games, like Tampa Bay and such, and we were getting pissed off and frustrated. Like, did he really just fumble? Stop it, man. Stop it! Stop it! And stop he did. And stop, he did, to his credit. Jarek McKinnon and Case Keenum will share the Fran Tarkenton Award. And, you know, I mean, it's just Latavius Murray's value to this team is off the charts. Jarek McKinnon, he has that big playability. And, of course, Case Keenum's accuracy and his leadership. You know know what Case Keenum is? You know what Case Keenum looks like? He's not this dazzling star. He's not this, you know, Tom Brady. He's not this Peyton Manning necessarily out there. But you know what he looks like to me? He looks like a guy that just, you know, he's a backyard baller. He wants to go out and play, but just hurls some balls to the friends in the backyard. That's what Case Keenum looks like. And it's just, some of those guys go on to be the greatest players ever. Some of them, like Brett Favre, obviously was that type. Uh, you know, I mean, we could go on forever with, with one after another. Even Joe Montana was kind of like that in a lot of ways. You know, he, he just loved the game. He wasn't necessarily this... This, uh, you know, he he wasn't like Peyton Manning who grew up with a, with his dad as a quarterback or Eli Manning, obviously. We could go on with all the different names, this and that. But Case Keenum looks like a guy who's been an underdog his whole life and he has overachieved 
at the end of the day. And we'll heap, we, we hope he continues to do that all the way to holding that Super Bowl ring. And I really appreciate what Case Keenum has brought to this team. Wonderful to see Teddy Bridgewater back out there because you just never know if he's going to be needed out there. Get those jitters out off. I, I would like to have seen him get tackled or bumped a little bit. Honestly, not because definitely don't want him to get hurt, but just to get that off. Like, okay, I got hit, I got back up, and I'm fine. Second and whatever, second and five, or second and one because we had a little nine-yard play to uh, Jerick McKinnon. Or, ooh, I threw for a first down, got nailed, but I'm up. I'm back up, and, you know, even though it hurt a little bit at first, it felt kind of good because I'm back. That's what it's all about for Teddy Bridgewater. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so, the uh, Christian Ponder Memorial, I don't know, just the stupid penalties in general. Maybe Nick Easton with the dumbass penalties, I, I'd have to say. Because it's just, you know, come on. Um, let's try to avoid that, I, I suppose. Just the penalties in general. Nick Easton, a very light, a very gentle Christian Ponder Memorial. Not a strong one, like I'm pissed off at him, because I'm not. He's done an admirable job blocking. And of course, Riley Reef is, is uh, missed this week, but luckily it didn't lead to a whole onslaught, because you did get Mike Remmers back and Pat Elfline back. The value of Pat Elfline off the charts. And Mike Remmers is probably the third or fourth best guy, but hey, still, he's looking good. Obviously, uh, Elfline and, and Riley Reef are as important as it gets for this team. Oh my goodness. So, there it is. Let's wrap this up. We'll come back and we will look at that playoff picture. That's kind of number one goal. And of course, talk about old, old, old pins and pins and uh, pins and metal in the shoulder himself, or dare we call it the collarbone, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We are making a visit to the frozen tundra, and it will be the frozen tundra. Let me tell you. Back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. I love this. This is my favorite segment. NFL Roundup, NFC North Roundup especially. We'll check out the standings, the playoff picture. This is what we're here for, baby. So let's get hopping to it immediately. The New England Patriots literally (laughs) just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in quite a dramatic fashion, but we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Dallas and Oakland is coming up. That has not officially gotten going yet. And, of course, Atlanta-Tampa. That's got playoff implications tomorrow night. Monday night football, which I always like to call it. Not Monday, but Monday. Tampa Bay officially long gone. Four and nine. They will be hosting the Atlanta Falcons, which, of course, a Falcons victory would eliminate the Green Bay Packers, possibly other teams as well, as we continue to move forward. Uh, Detroit Lions still hanging on with that 8-6 and six record and such. Let's talk very briefly here. Denver Broncos wore a lot of orange today. A lot. They had the uh, orange jerseys from the good old days and the blue helmets with the D on them back when John Elway was the quarterback for most of his career up until 95, and then they changed everything and started winning Super Bowls, believe it or not. And, uh, yeah, they beat the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, goody. So little relations between those teams. Of course, they both uh, they both uh, <clears throat> were the keepers of Mr. Peyton Manning and such. So, and, of course, the ironic thing of all time is that the Baltimore Colts had drafted uh, Mr. John Elway long, long, long ago, and John Elway refused to go there and wound up in Denver. So, yeah, that gets interesting. Uh, Kansas City over Los Angeles Chargers in big time, 30-13. to 13. I did not see this coming. 
I figured the Kansas City Chiefs are a bunch of chokers, and Los Angeles is one of those greedy teams that just went on a run here, and they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win their AFC West, and, well, it just didn't happen today. So Chargers down to 7-7, seven and seven, and the Kansas City Chiefs are 8-6. and six. We all know what could still happen in both cases there. Chargers may wind up finishing 9-7 and seven and winning the division very easily because I don't trust the Chiefs. Uh, Phillip Rivers had a rough day today. That Chiefs defense really showed up. Three interceptions for Phillip Rivers. Alex Smith had his best game in quite a while, kind of like earlier in the season. Big overall nice numbers for him. Quarterback rating 120, two touchdowns along the way for him. <clears throat> the ball spread around nicely by Phillip Rivers to Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, and others. But uh, Tyreek Hill really stood up nicely along with the ever-valuable, ever-famous Kareem Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs. Seven catches for him along the way. And of course, Kareem Hunt rushing for 155 yards. Definitely the uh, straw that stirs the drink in Kansas City, along with their solid defense when they show up to play. And that's They've almost got that division. Almost. Unofficial, though. Oh, boy. There they are. Two of the weirdest teams in the league. Like, I call Denver a weird team, and they're very weird. There they are. Miami and Buffalo. Miami and Buffalo. You know, the Buffalo Bills, who I always call them the Toronto Blue Jays of the NFL, where they start strong, and wow, they're good this year. Damn. And then down they go, and it's like, by the end of the year, you're like, why did I ever think they were good? They're they're terrible, and they're like not even close. Well, they're 8-6 and six now. They beat the same weird Miami team that knocked off the frickin' Patriots last week. Almost cost them home field advantage, and now the Patriots regained it today in the uh, controversial fashion to a point. Controversial to a point, yeah, controversial a bit. But what got the frickin' Steelers at the goal line in the first place was a little annoying. Just a little bit. Okay, let's go. Buffalo 24, Miami 16, and the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, they might, I keep calling them that. Just for fun. Buffalo Bills are 8-6, and six and they would be in the playoffs. They would be going to Jacksonville, Florida, where they would probably get beat something of the likes of 34-17 to 17 or something. But, well, they made the playoffs for the first time in forever. So, yay. Uh, Brown Bowl 2 for this year. The Browns lost again, 27-10. to 10. Baltimore still in the hunt, so to speak, as there are three teams logjamming with that 8-6 and six record. Boy, oh boy, in the NFC, there are Green Bay and Detroit. Really wish they could be logjamming into the NFC uh, in the in the NFC playoffs, actually being in it, as only one eight and six team is out, and that's Baltimore at the moment. But they're still very much in it, as yeah, they won today over an zero and fourteen team. Their replacements there in Cleveland, yes, the Brown Bowl, the replacements, and it's a Brown Bowl over there in Cleveland. It's Brown boy. It's uh, you fill in the blanks as to why it's whoo. It's more like a brown hole. Okay, let's move on. Yuck. Um, the New Orleans Saints, 31-19 to over the crappy, mediocre, blah, New York Jets. They're long gone and done, just like Cincinnati. Done and dusted, 5-9 and nine on the season. 31-19, to <clears throat> the New Orleans Saints continuing to dance around and score points and, uh, well, be one of the top teams in the NFL this year, believe it or not, despite the Vikings pounding the living daylights out of them to start out the season. I keep bringing it up because I feel like it. Uh, I'm going to save the Eagles and Giants game for a little bit just because it's so important. Uh, Washington over Arizona. Oh, goody. Uh, Jacksonville all over Houston, 45-7. to It's like, why even bother? So now we get into the massive playoff. Okay, one more. Tennessee lost today to San Francisco. How about that? Jimmy Garoppolo. That guy, huh, showed up to play again. Good for him. Good for him. Let's look at that one very, very briefly here. I don't want to ramble on about the 49ers and Titans very much. Uh, 49ers win their fourth game of the season. How about that? Um, not bad. 25-23, to 23, an ugly game where 
San Francisco led most of the way. Tennessee made a comeback in the fourth quarter, but could not finish the job, which I'm sure San Francisco faithful very happy about that. Robbie Gould with a field goal at the end. Jimmy Garoppolo leading his team to pay dirt and racking up the yards again. Accuracy up there in the up in the low 70s, almost 400 yards overall. Awesome uh, finish. Only one touchdown, but still very good game. At the end of the day for Jimmy Garoppolo, the best thing they've had in San Francisco for quite a while. Um, unless you like Alex Smith or uh, the other guy who likes to kneel all the time. But I don't know. He was more interesting when he ran the ball than when he threw it. But I suppose he had a pretty nice run there for San Francisco in the 2012 season. They almost had that thing. That was a fun team to watch. That was when I actually liked the, that's when I, always, I actually liked the old kneeler. But, um, well... He can keep kneeling, I guess. It's not doing him too good. Uh, Marcus Mariota, two touchdown in the game. Very solid, kind of showing up again, having some strong games. DeMarco Murray, uh, yeah. Yeah, running game, basically not much of a factor. Mostly a duel between uh, Garoppolo and Mariota, and Garoppolo won. So good for him, and nice to see those bright red San Francisco jerseys uh, being represented a little better than they had been, we'll just say. I won't say they're being represented well, but they're being represented better, particularly at the quarterback position. So now let's get to those playoff implication-type games. Uh, Seattle getting romped over by the by the Los Angeles Rams in the 12-man stadium or whatever they want to call that stupid place. I hate the freaking Seattle Seahawks. And there's a lot of teams I hate. Seahawks are very much at the top. They're CenturyLink Field. Of course, I know what it is. I mean, I've been hearing about it forever. CenturyLink Field. Oh, I just didn't even want to say it because I don't like them. Um, nice. L.A. Rams all but officially have clinched the NFC West. They have not officially clinched it, but because Seattle beat them earlier in the season. Two games behind, and they're tied. So Seattle basically needs to sneeze wrong, and they'll be out of the playoffs. That's pretty much what they're at, or at least out of the division uh, championship, where the Los Angeles Rams are going to be the division champions for the first time in quite a while, particularly as L.A., but even as the St. Louis Rams. It's been a while. Um, It's been quite a long time. I mean, they sucked pretty hard after uh, Trent Green and, of course, uh, Kurt Warner left there. Trent Green left first for Kansas City and had a pretty good run. Kurt Warner moved out to the Giants and eventually over to Arizona and got much better after he stunk with the Giants for a little while. Jared Goff, he's just okay right now. I mean, he's just okay. The, the, <laughs> the LA Rams defense and, of course, Todd Gurley pretty much ran them and ran the Seahawks into the ground. I mean, 152 yards, average of 7.2, just dominant. A lot like the uh, freaking uh, New Orleans Saints running back, the rookie there, Kamara. Whoa, he's, he's amazing. Uh, three touchdowns for Todd Gurley, though, in the game. And wow, just a huge dominant game. He had a 57-yard scamper along the way. But the Rams won in old-fashioned style, a lot like what Seattle would like to do, especially if they still had Martian Lynch. Defense and running game, defense and running game. The old days, the good old days, where the quarterback was good enough, he was solid. He, he did throw two touchdown passes, to be fair, but he's not the reason the uh, <laughs> he's not the reason the LA Rams won the game. Uh, Russell Wilson didn't throw an interception, but he was sacked seven times and was strip sacked in one of them. Wow, uh, the LA Rams defense really showing what they're capable of in a very crucial game. A stepping stone, literally, for the Los Angeles Rams. As Seattle is all but completely done. Amazing performance by the LA Rams in CenturyLink Field. Huge, huge win for them, and they just about got the thing wrapped up. Believe it or not, they're the fourth seed in the NFC because the freaking Saints are still hanging on to number three. Uh, we'll look at the playoff picture in a second. I keep delaying it. Usually I start things off with it, but not this time because I'm just being like that. Uh, what was the other one? Okay. Um, 
let's look at the Steelers and uh, Steelers. Let's talk about Steelers and Patriots here first before I talk about the Eagles, and then ultimately jump into the division. One of the games doesn't mean anything though. The Detroit and, and, and Chicago, but yeah, it's still NFC North, so kind of a feature presentation, I guess. But New England won the game, 27-24. An amazing drive by Tom Brady, which ended with a two-point conversion. So, you know, that was all hit legit. That was an awesome, awesome drive. I mean, it was one after another. Kept going to Gronk, and Gronk kept getting open, and Brady kept hitting him, and it just kept working and working and working, and it was just the easiest drive ever. But they left too much time on the clock, just like they did way back in, the, well, 10 years ago, the very first Super Bowl I ever uh, did a podcast for, so to speak, which was Paladino Live, when the uh, 16-0 and uh, Patriots not finish the job against the Giants. They got in the end zone, they took the lead, and they did not win the game because the Giants had their miracle play by by David Kyrie, and that was bullcrap. But but it was uh, it was what it was, and the Pittsburgh had a little bullcrap thing too. Just a quick little fade to the to the left of Roethlisberger ended up being almost a seventy yard play because the Patriots forgot how to tackle for a second there. It was just strange. I don't even know how. Things went the way they did, but it was just like, are you kidding me? Uh, Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster, 69 yards. Yeah, it was basically 70, just gone, you know, and then he wasn't gone, luckily, for the Patriots, but might as well have been. I mean, just, ugh. And then the controversial play to Jesse James. Jesse James, who had a uh, very catchable, it was looked like a very catchable play, and it looked like a touchdown. Did Jesse James? I like that name. It's kind of classic, isn't it? He should have had his fourth touchdown of the year, possibly, probably, but they Adam Thielen did. They uh, took it away from him because uh, they said he didn't have full possession when he hit the ground, that the ground forced the ball out as he hit the ground. Um, Gronk made a spectacular play, by the way, uh, just a couple minutes earlier, literally pulling it before it hit the ground. That was a legitimate catch, and it was a very good call by the official who didn't even need a review. It was that good, that good of a call. I mean, good job. Antonio Brown uh, also out with injury. So Pittsburgh's in a little tiny bit of trouble here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell continues to be one of the top two or three running backs in the world. But, um, man, uh, that Juju Smith, uh, yeah, Juju Smith play, that's what that was. Jesse James, it was an Adam Thielen situation where, it, well, it didn't even pop out with the landing. Um, and, of course, you remember how Adam Thielen hung on to the ball after it popped out, which is totally weak that the referees took that touchdown away. He should have, it's like you have possession, your two feet are in, it's a flipping touchdown. You know what? I hate and I mean passionately hate the Pittsburgh Steelers almost as much as I hate the Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks. In fact, those three teams are right there at the top. I can't stand the Steelers. They're basically just like the Seahawks to me. They're just a bunch of, ugh. They're, they, they're cheap. They get they get lucky little plays, and they think they're all that, and their fans are obnoxious. I can't stand their fans. I can't stand Seattle or Green Bay fans. Yes, I'm coming off like a, like a clown right now, and I apologize, but... I can't stand them. You know, that's the old football fan in me coming out more than the the, the radio host, the, the uh, subjective radio host. Yes, I'm subjective to a point, but eventually the fan in me comes out. And there's three teams in this league that I just hate, and that's Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the Green Bay Packers at the top. Right there at the top, and Pittsburgh and Seattle are right, right there. I mean, they're right there, man. I mean, they're just, <laughs> like, literally like a hairline beneath the Packers. That's so much I can't stand Pittsburgh and uh, Seattle, but um, that was a t- that probably should have been a touchdown. It's just yet yeah, at the same time, I kind of look at it as, hey, one lucky play deserves another. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger 
had an incomplete, threw an incomplete pass on the previous, uh, on the play before that, then runs a slant instead of a fade to the side. He should have ran it off to the right. Instead, he throws a slant in the middle. And what happens when you throw a slant in the middle in the, <laughs> at the end of games against the Patriots? Well, things like that. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happened in the big moments. And it happened in the big moment again. The ball was tipped and intercepted. Um, it was a big, big, just huge play for the New England Patriots, and they end up winning. So one lucky play deserved another. To be fair, though, again, it was an Adam Thielen-like play. That should have been a touchdown for Jesse James. But, I mean, I don't feel that bad because, again, that freaking Schuster touchdown, or not touchdown, but 69-yard run was pretty annoying, to say the least. Um, It's just the Patriots' offense, (laughs) Tom Brady and Gronk, are so good. They get in the end zone so fast against a team that was stifling them for quite a while throughout the game. I mean, it was a a bloodbath out there between these two teams. It was black and blue football. Um, Brady had a hell of a time getting first downs, completing passes, and guys running the ball, like obviously White and and, and Smith for uh, the uh, New England Patriots. And, well, Lewis, actually, not Smith, Lewis. But uh, And then Burke had it hurt, too, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, the plays to White. White's more of a receiving back than a running back, for the most part. He helped win the Super Bowl for the, uh, the uh, <laughs> Patriots, number 28 there. Um, but, yeah, I mean... With the precision that had took, took, I mean, the precision that Brady and Gronk were able to complete those plays was insane, and it was too good because they left a minute left on the clock. Blah blah blah. Pittsburgh still had a timeout remaining, um, so that kind of was what that was. And then uh, trying to think of, oh yeah, there was also a play that probably should have been intercepted by the Steelers even before that started, and then the announcers said it. Damn, pardon me. The announcers made the statement. I believe it was Mike Mitchell, if I remember correctly. Yep, Mike Mitchell. The ball was right in his hands. I mean, it was an interception, and he just dropped it, and they said right then and there, because nobody knocked on wood because you don't have to, that uh, whenever you give Tom Brady second life, things happen, and things really happen, and things went the way they did. Uh, Huh. Well, there's another news flash again about another major player being hurt and officially, uh, but I'll get to that in three seconds here. But uh, yeah, uh, that's what happened with Brady, and then things went the way they did. So, point made, Antonio Brown suffers a partially torn calf out at least until the playoffs. So, welcome to Gillette Stadium, to everybody in the AFC. So, if the Vikings get to the Super Bowl, there's a pretty good chance they'll have to go against a quarterback they have never beaten. So, hmm. Um, We've beaten Roethlisberger, but that's when the Steelers sucked. And the Steelers don't suck this year, though they've been lucky as hell with some of the the bleepy, the crappy matchups, pardon me, some of the crappy matchups they've had had and some lucky bounces, lucky finishes against teams like freaking Cleveland. So, I don't know. Their record's a little bloated. I think the right team is leading the AFC right now. Go ahead and get mad at me for saying that. I don't care. Get mad. It's it's just what it is. Uh, And the wrong team is leading the NFC right now. Really? I mean, you give up all this to the New York Giants and they still frickin' magically win after the Giants were kicking their butts for a while there. They just keep in there. They, then they don't go away. Nick Foles is back to being the greatest little story ever. Oh, I'm so happy for Nick Foles. Just like we were happy for him a, a little while ago when a lot of people were hoping that, especially Paul Charchin, hoping that the Vikings would throw a lot of money at him to be a nice backup. Well, he's a nice backup for the Eagles, isn't he? Against the Giants' defense. See, that's the thing. 
their schedule sucks. Remember I was talking about it last week, like Oakland, and, and the only one we can hope is that Dallas knocks them off in the season finale, because I don't think Dallas and and uh, Philadelphia get along really well. In fact, yeah, they're bitter, old, bitter rivals. But Nick Foles, statistically sexy game. This will probably be his best game, um, yeah, probably about his best game ever. I mean, four touchdowns, 115 quarterback rating, basically 116 he completed 63% of his passes, but I will reiterate against the Giants defense, that sucks, okay? Can I say that openly? It sucks. Uh, Eli Manning did what he did against that Eagles defense, though. That's pretty good, and good for Eli Manning and the and the Giants. Unfortunately, just could not help us out, get the job done, put the Vikings at number one in the NFC again, and just maybe, just maybe, Vikings for sure will have home field advantage until they just might have to play the... Uh, caretakers and owners of Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that, but I'm worried about everybody else in the NFC too, as I'm going to get back to that playoff picture. I keep delaying it. Uh, Detroit, now we finally get to the NFC North. Only two games to talk about, and of course the Packer game will be uh, the last thing I talk about. So Detroit-Chicago, Detroit beat the Bears 20-10. to 20-10, to 10. meh. The uh, Detroit Lions stay alive. Ha-ha, staying alive, staying alive. I know, that's real funny. But um, the Bears, unfortunately, they are what they are. They they have their quarterback. They have a pretty good running back, but they need to make about 19 good draft picks for the rest of the team, Like uh, especially defensively right now. Uh, Fox is a good defensive coach, but when you don't have any good players, I don't know. Uh, they probably are going to have to make a change at coach too, though, uh, just because. Some, sometimes you just have to. Sometimes things are passed. Sometimes the game has passed the guy by, and that might be what's going on with uh, Fox and, and the Chicago uh, Bears. At the same time, poor, poor drafting and poor management, this and that, and certain players like Jay Cutler hanging around as long as he did, not real helpful for the Chicago Bears. They got a long road ahead of them. Um, just a couple of years ago, I thought the Bears were on the verge of improving, but no, I don't think so. Um, that's just kind of is what it is. Marvin Jones Jr. did a good job for Detroit, 58-yard play, ultimately around at, at the end of the day there. Theo Riddick and, and Teon Green helping out, and Amir Abdullah, more of a receiving back. Obviously, we know that, but not a pretty game. Nobody really stood out spectacularly in this one. Uh, Chicago with four sacks. That's the good part. Uh, Matthew Stafford above average. He completed a solid amount of uh, percentage. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky attempted 46 passes. He did get, he did complete almost 70% and over 300 yards, but the three interceptions were killer as Detroit just finishing the job, playing some hawkish defense. Mitchell Trubisky kind of putting them in the game with two minutes left, two and a half minutes left, but not enough time ultimately for for that offense to get anything done, even though their offense is better than their defense at this stage. Detroit's staying alive. Let's move on, and let's look at that playoff picture as we're about to talk about the Green Bay Crackers. We're kind of going to merge all that together almost in a conversation here, bumping everything. AFC, New England number one, Pittsburgh number two. They're both 11-3. and Jacksonville Jaguars would host the Buffalo Bills as the top wild card. That'd be Jacksonville 10-4. and in the AFC South, the AFC West champion possibly is the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-6. and six. They would host the Tennessee Titans. So there it is. Tennessee, of course, unfortunately for them, behind Jacksonville. So they're going to have a hell of a time catching up. Buffalo's division rival is the New England Patriots, of course. And they're in second place and hanging alive and hanging around. Good for them. Baltimore's 8-6, and six, still in the hunt. LA Chargers still in the hunt. Oakland still about to play here coming up. And... 
yeah, they're just about done. Not officially, though. <laughs> Pretty much, though. They might as well be done. And if they aren't, they aren't. Uh, NFC, of course, New uh, Philadelphia, 12-2. and They won over the frickin' Giants. Thanks a lot, New York. We're not playing a little better defense down the stretch and allowing Nick Foles to look like, I don't even know, Brett Favre, I don't know, look like uh, Joe Montana, Steve Young, whatever. Sucks. Or Carson Wentz. Yeah. Well, Minnesota's 11-3, and but they're holding on to that bye, and they're division champions. Of course, New, uh, New Orleans Saints would host the Atlanta Falcons, their division rivals, who beat them very recently. That's an interesting matchup, but Atlanta needs to win tomorrow to get uh, to hang on to that playoff spot. Los Angeles Rams would host the Carolina Panthers, who would be a fifth seed because of, well, teams like, <laughs> teams like the Rams and such. Teams like the Saints, actually, not the Rams. I'm going crazy. But, yeah, teams like the Saints. But now that but now that could get real interesting, too, coming up. As uh, Wow, those two teams are neck and neck. One of them is going to host, going to be the top wild card. The other one is going to be down there. Um, obviously, the top wild card, if they win, they come to Minnesota. They come to U.S. Bank Stadium if the playoff bracket remains the way it is. Let's finally get to the Packers. I didn't think this segment would be as long as it was, but it always is because it always is. I get very talkative on this segment. That's why I just enjoy this one very much. Mm, freaking Blackhawks and Wild in the background. Yep, I hate the Blackhawks too. That's least favorite hockey team pretty much. Pretty much has been since the early 90s, I'd have to say, or late 80s, whatever. Uh, Green Bay Crackers, 7-7. Seven and seven. They got defeated by the Carolina Panthers. Cam Cameron Newton continuing the winning ways of the Carolina Panthers. They're pretty much a playoff team at this stage. Yeah, the Vikings defense was not as good as it had been most of the season last week. But that Packers defense is nowhere near. They do not hold a candle to the Vikings defense. Not in any way. Not on any day. Cam Newton, almost 65%. Not even 250 yards, but still managed to throw for four touchdown passes. And the Panthers pretty much roll all over the Packers for a while until they try to get big things interesting, even recover the onside kick, but the Packers cannot get the job done. Three interceptions for a guy that hadn't played for several weeks, but uh, still... A lot better than Brett Hundley, i got to say, but certainly not his best game. Uh, the Carolina defense is still pretty good. That's why they were 15-1 and years ago was their defense. Um, Cam Newton got the MVP just because he's Mr. Sparkly, Mr. Special. He's very special with those awesome outfits he wears. They're just awesome outfits, huh? Can't, he's not all about himself or uh, all about uh, look at me or anything. It's just he's, he's just he's just a cool guy, that's all. He's just very cool. Um... He's just a cool guy. Great. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers is, I don't know. I, I like the State Farm. That's the only thing I like about Aaron Rodgers is that State Farm commercial where he's driving the car with the dog in the car and he's got that funny face going up into the ceiling because they're going down a, they're going off a jump or whatever. I, you know, I like that commercial. That's the only thing I like about Aaron Rodgers, but it's probably about as fake as a $3 bill. So, I don't know. Um, the Packers, well, that's who we're playing, and the Vikings are the better team right now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is inconsistent, but we've seen him have great games against the Vikings time and time again. Uh, that's the unfortunate part, that I'm not all that comfortable with uh, the Vikings are just going to romp all over the Packers. We should. We're going to Lambeau Field, though, and the forecasts, at least locally, a few days before <laughs> Sunday, 
it's going to get awfully cold. So that would tell me that that weather is going to be at Green Bay at the same time as well, because it's going to stay cold for quite a while around here and around those parts. So, and we might be getting a snow-nami locally, as Dan Barrero likes to call it. Um, it's going to be 7 degrees for the high and 3 degrees for the low in this area at the very least. I'm curious now. I think I want to actually give a quick check-see on what Green Bay's forecast is. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to lose or anything, but, you know, it just makes things interesting. It just adds to the uh, curiosity, I would have to say, bringing the Green Bay, <laughs> going into Green Bay. Their forecast for Sunday, 13 and 7. So that's cold. Yeah, that's pretty cold. It's, I mean, I had to work in 13 degrees, 12 degrees with the lawn cleanups this year. One of those Fridays I took off from work, it was 12 and breezy the whole time. Um, looks like there'll be a snow-nami in Green Bay also. So we're talking probably, there must be a ton of snow coming to uh, the uh, upper Midwest uh, and into the Great Lakes and all that. We all know what the lake effect can be over in that area. It can get pretty harsh. Um, let's get to the point. I'm dragging this out. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers, obviously we know what he's capable of. Why even look at his statistics? He hadn't even, you know, he, he'd only had three interceptions and he doubled them today, which is kind of funny. Um, hopefully that's the Vikings' final record there. So you see 13 and three touchdowns and interceptions for Aaron Rodgers before today's game. Now it's 16 and six for him. Uh, you know, it's hard to even gauge who's who's what at this point um, because guys have been hurt. And then obviously Devontae Adams is the guy that scares me the most, but Randall Cobb is more than capable of making those big third down catches and getting the first down and rubbing it in our face, which he just loves to do. Uh, Martellus Bennett missed extended period of time, this and that. Uh, bottom line, uh, the Vikings are the better team. They should win the game, but it's a divisional game, and it's one of those anything can happen. Like if I was Las Vegas, it's like a pick em for me. Or Minnesota's favored by like two or three. Like it, to me, it'd be low. It'd be a very small difference. Uh, the Vikings, I think Minnesota... I think we're going to win the game. I, I do. Um, it's a big confidence boost for Minnesota if and if and ultimately we do beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. If the Vikings don't win that game, it sucks. And then you're 12-4 and four and you're for sure going on the road. Almost for sure. Oh, well, yeah, pretty much. Unless the Eagles lose both of their last games, that's the only hope you got left. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the Eagles are going to lose both of their last games. But um, you're going to be 12-4 and four because the Vikings will have to beat the Bears. There's no doubt. Um, you need this confidence boost. I think the Vikings win by, like, three points. And hope to God that that stupid uh, <laughs> Kai Forbath, who I've, I liked before. I mean, at least he made his kicks today. But there was the one that almost missed, obviously, the 53-yarder. Winnable game, obviously. I'm not scared of the Green Bay defense. I'm scared of Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay's defense is capable of making big plays, forcing turnovers. Obviously, Clay Maker is still more than capable of doing what he's doing. He also can sing that annoying song like he did in the Aaron Rodgers commercial with State Farm as well. There's there's that possibility. But um, I say go ahead and sing maybe. No, okay, never mind. Hopefully he's going to be singing a swan song at the end of the, the game. But <laughs> this defense is ever beatable. There's no doubt. And that's why the Vikings would win the game is because Case Keenum just has a field day and of course the running game does what they're capable of doing. Um, Jarek McKinnon is a huge key, obviously. If you're able to get Jarek McKinnon in the open field on those uh, slants and the fades as well, that would be awesome. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Carolina Panthers are up for sale apparently, according to their owner. Interesting. Hmm. And they're going to move to uh, St. Paul. Okay, just kidding. 
who knows? Uh, when a team goes up for sale, things can happen. Um, I don't think they're going to L.A., though. I think L.A.'s uh, a little crowded now with football teams. <sighs> the Oakland Panthers, there it is. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, Vegas has their team. That's the uh, the Raiders. Okay, I'm losing my mind. Green Bay, the Minnesota Vikings absolutely should beat the Packers. Again, it's literally Green Bay's lousy defense versus Aaron Rodgers beating us. It's one of those things. Uh, can the Vikings outscore the Packers? Yes. Uh, can Aaron Rodgers go a bleep on us? Yes. Do the referees usually factor in in these type of games? Yes. So... I don't know. Um, most years, I would pick Green Bay. Nine out of ten years, I'd pick Green Bay, but this feels like that magical season to me. Minnesota will win the football game 28-24. to 28-24. to 24. Minnesota will win by four points in Lambeau Field. It'll be a close, hard-fought battle. We're going to be angry, frustrated, cursing, but then Aaron Rodgers will have an incomplete pass, or you'll see an interception by the likes of a Trey Waynes or Harrison Smith, somebody like that, Anderson Deho, which will be game-changing. You'll also see that big sack late in the game. That'll be crucial for the likes of Eric Hendricks or Daniil Hunter, who's been emerging very nicely of late. Hopefully emerging at the right time. Not just having sexy numbers in the first five to eight weeks of the season, but getting the big plays as the temperature starts getting brittly, uh, bitter cold in the month of January. That's the hope that Daniil Hunter can be that guy. Because if that happens, the Vikings' chances of winning the Super Bowl are outstanding, regardless if they're all in U.S. Bank Stadium or not, which would be even more fun. So Minnesota wins 28-24, a close, hard-fought battle. The game will be in doubt all the way to the final tick of the clock. But the Vikings will get some kind of a key first down or a key interception, depending on who has the ball at the end. And the Vikings will win the game. 28 to 24. We'll be back for fan interaction after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia fan interaction segment. We'll open up with a Twitter account at Purple Mafia Show at Purple Mafia Show. I'll start out where I want to thank uh, Vince Germano out of Australia, Tene Wilson-Brown out of New Zealand, and James Beck out of the UK for retweeting the last episode of Purple Mafia on Twitter. Thank you very much. The Twitter account, again, is at Purple Mafia Show. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland says, Ready to listen to the podcast, my friend. Keep up the good work. Hate to say, but that game felt so 2016. Hope the season does not derail because of a depleted O-line. And See, it just shows you, though, how important... Having that O-line intact, at least mostly intact, as obviously Remmer was, was out forever, and we, and we held our own, and today Riley Reef was out, and the Vikings held their own. So that's good. There was at least that. Um, just imagine if they were actually all healthy. Oh, I mean, last week, yeah, I mean, you had Remmers and Elf line out, and Riley Reef after he got hurt. That was a disaster. So again, that offensive line made the Vikings look like 2016. Yes, after the first five games, without a doubt. And even the first... Uh, even during the first five games, you could see the storm crowds, clouds of brewing, pardon me. No uh, audio submission or call-ins today that I know of, so as I did check. I check all the time right before I get to started with this segment. Nothing as of yet, so if anything does still come through, it will be played on the next show. I would never deny your right to airtime if you indeed did get a call-in and it didn't get to me on time. So that's just one of those things. Uh, where were we? 
Lots of stuff here. Okay, now we get to uh, yep, Mad Martin Northern Scotland says, hoping for a blowout today, and you got it. Would like to see a little Teddy out there, and you got that. Yep, <laughs> needs reps. If Case went down in the postseason, we don't want Teddy ice cold if needed. Exactly, because if Teddy went in in a playoff game and did what he did, we'd be done. The season's over, pretty much. Because imagine if the Vikings were down by a touchdown or something, and then you saw him jittery, scared, interception right away. First pass. And yeah, that's pretty much all she wrote because Cincinnati ended up scoring a touchdown not long after that. And obviously they were desperate just to get on the board and the Vikings defense was not quite as, you know, I mean, they didn't want to get scored on. They wanted to get the shutout, which would have been the first shutout since 2020. Uh, There's no 20. 1993, 15 to nothing over the Bucks. I swear there were shutouts before, between now and then, but I suppose there were some in the preseason and those don't count. I think that's pretty much what it was. If there was one more recent along the way, I apologize, but I did research and I dug and that's what I saw. So uh, there may have been one more recent, but I don't think anybody anybody uh, is going to come up with it So that, that I know about at this stage. I'm pretty sure there was just preseason games where the last shutout took place other than that one way back, 1993 against the Bucks. Back when Minnesota beating the Bucks was a big deal, because it was. The Bucks were, well, I don't know, I, the, those were the good old days. Let's just leave that as is. And yeah, 92 was an interesting back and forth situation with the Buccaneers. And then not long after that, the Bucks were as meaningless as everybody else. They were 5-11, and 11, just like the Bears and the uh, and the Detroit Lions. It was Green Bay that was 9-7 and seven that year and snuck into their very first playoff appearance in many, many years with a, this young upstart guy. Boy, he had a lot of energy. Number four, he had, I don't know, he was kind of goofy looking, but man, he, he had a pretty good arm, and I don't know, I I, I forget who that guy is, for God. <clears throat> Let's see, um, Mad Martin says, solid start, but I would expect that against a bad team like this, yep, and it was too easy, yep, and uh, what was he saying about time too, because I said something probably. I'm not sure, he said about time, well, that we got things rolling, yep, early, early, yep. Stupid call. Yeah, that was that fourth down. And, yep. Now, what was UK responding to? Yep, I was saying pick six in the house. UK, Minnesota Vikings fans were saying too few this season. And, yes, there really were too few. I mean, there were more last season, particularly in the first five games. There there were more. Um, I hope they didn't think I was being sarcastic because I was not. Maybe they got busy after that or something because they didn't talk too much after that that I know about. Um, it was, yeah, I mean... You saw more pick sixes last year, or at least major interceptions that led to something. You almost had a pick six from Anderson Dayo last week, and if he got it, the Vikings would be 12-2 and two right now, and Eagles would be in big, big, big trouble of even having home field at this point. But there is one hope, though, one thing. See, Phil Mackey has brought this up the last couple weeks here, ever since the injury to Carson Wentz. See, you think about it, Philadelphia may very well go on to have the number one seed in the NFC, and odds favor that because their schedule stinks. But ours is pretty easy, too, for the most part. Um, Green Bay's beatable, but they're dangerous. Uh, They're always ever dangerous because Aaron Rodgers is what he is, and I talked about that already in the previous segment. Chicago sucks. Um, But Philadelphia, obviously, there's no Carson Wentz, like I've said already. And, well, see, right now, they barely beat the Giants, and, yeah, now they play Oakland and Dallas, right? But who do they play in the in the in their side though? And you know they they get home field and all that. But who are they going to play? Are they going to play Carolina or the Saints or something or or the L.A. Rams? Will they be able to beat those guys or not though? Because if they don't beat them, who's who gets home field advantage in the NFC title game? As long as we do our part. 
the Minnesota Vikings would have would have home field advantage. So there is still that possibility that the Eagles would lose in the uh, the, the playoff game anyway because they'll be playing a much tougher team than the New York Giants. So all is not lost yet <laughs> if the Vikings do not end up having the number one seed in the NFC. And a lot of times the NFC number one seed ends up failing. Dallas Cowboys failed. Uh, Panthers got to the Super Bowl but lost. And Vikings had the number one seed and they lost. Then they had the number two seed and they lost. Yeah, see, that's the thing. The hope is that the number one seed gets upset because you don't want to go on the road in the NFC title game. That's the thing. You want to be the home team unless you're this on-fire team that's unbelievable. And if the Vikings are that, then so be it. Let's get the job done. Let's continue. If we do go to Philly, let's freaking beat those bastards. And I think we can, actually, especially if Carson Wentz is not the quarterback because he will not be the quarterback. Let's continue. Uh, Mad Martin says, bloody penalties, way too many so far, and there were throughout the game. Uh, he says, I want to see points in this drive, and they did get it. Um, he's hoping that the Giants do us a favor. They almost did. Uh-huh. Keep the pedal hard down. Nothing like chilling how I was saying it's gotten too easy by the second half. Yep. I was saying pretty quiet and boring third corner. Not a soul is complaining, at least not in Minnesota. And he was saying nothing like chilling, brother. And that's for damn sure. Him being, again, Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. He says, time for Teddy and the backups. Yep, and I was saying again... Yep, time for Teddy. Reps 20th division title. Skull, my friend. 20th division title. The Patriots won their ninth in a row, and I don't mean to demean the Vikings like that, but uh, the pa- the Vikings, yeah. 20th division title. That's an amazing history the Minnesota Vikings do actually have. Um, they've, we've won so many playoff games. We've played in, I believe we've been in the, we've played more playoff games than any team in NFL history, if you can believe that. Um, that's pretty crazy. That at least, yep. I believe that still holds to this day. I didn't hear about anybody passing because I know we did just recently. We still held that 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 amazing statistic. Actually, most playoffs in NFL history. So playoff games played, at least in the Super Bowl era. So of course, yeah. That's so many times the Vikings have made the playoffs, and it's pretty crazy when you think about that because. See, there are teams like Dallas that stunk for a while. Teams like Detroit that have stunk forever. Teams like Philadelphia, they get good, and then they really suck, and then they get good, and then they really suck, and the Saints have been like that. The Rams have had some horrible stretches for many years. Um, they were good a little bit in the late 80s, and then they just sucked forever, this and that. So that's why. You factor that in. Atlanta was horrible until that magical 98 season, and then, of course, since Matt Matt Ryan got there, other than those years, Atlanta was pretty much nothing. So, and then Carolina's too new, and you can go on forever. Seattle was awful for, for decades. Green Bay was awful for about 20 years. So, Arizona, it's not even, not even a contest there. So, I mean, again, you can go on forever. Washington, see, you know, they've had dry spells for many years. So, it's amazing how consistent the Vikings have been. Um, like, when we stink, we don't stink for very long. Like, 2011, we stunk. 2012, we made the playoffs. 2013, we stunk. 2014, we almost made it. 2015, we did make it. So, it's stuff like that. You know, I mean, you go from 3-13 and 13 to, to a, a playoff team. That's pretty crazy, you know? That's pretty crazy when you think about that. So, all right, let's keep moving. Um, UK, Minnesota Vikings were saying it's very true. What was I saying? I said, well, that's why... That's why you get Teddy in now. I mean, in now in this situation, shake up the jitters and rush. And that was after the interception. We can't afford to have him do that when we desperately need him. If we desperately need him in a playoff game, yep. UK Minnesota Vikings said very true. And Mad Martin was saying that that is the kind of crap we could get in a championship game. Get it out of the system now. See exactly. See, you don't want Teddy on the road in Philadelphia potentially 
uh, all jittery and scared. You want him determined saying, okay, I'm the quarterback now. We need to, we need to, you know, we got this. We'll be fine. I'm still Teddy Bridgewater. I'm still capable of winning a playoff game, which he almost did against Seattle. And he did set the Vikings up in perfect position if that stupid dummy Blair Walsh made the kick, but the stupid dummy did not make the kick. Uh, Mad Martin says slackers will not make the playoffs. Woohoo! And well, it's all but official because Atlanta. If Atlanta wins one more game, they're the Green Bay's dead. If Green Bay loses one more game, Green Bay's dead. So yes, it's all a. It's things need to go perfect for Green Bay to make it, and things do happen sometimes. Mad Martin wraps up the uh, Twitter section saying New England must be the luckiest team ever. Unreal. But don't forget that stupid 69-yard play also. That was just a regular little fade. That ended up turning into a 69-yard play. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That was a little lucky too, but okay. I, I feel you on that stupid uh, non-touchdown rule. But yeah, that, that was us last week too with, with uh, Carolina. The Vikings very easily could be 12-2 and right now as well. Just pisses me off. Um... That way, still, the only losses would be that stupid Pittsburgh game, which scares the crap out of me. Playing Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl scares me. Playing New England in the Super Bowl scares me. But at the same time, again, we still need to get there. And, um, yes, we won't be in Hawaii or Florida or Houston in that game. We'll be here if we do get there. So that's what will help. I'm looking at those two logos right on top of each other right now, Minnesota and New England, and it's just like, hmm, could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Unfortunately, they have the Patriots above us, but that's just because of, uh, you know, the way things are set up. There's three AFC teams, and we're on the bottom with Pittsburgh. You never know. Maybe that'll be the Super Bowl. It could be, but I don't think so. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to make it. I think today was uh, the, the mental nail in the coffin for the Steelers. And, well, I don't feel too bad because I hate that team with a passion. Um now we head over to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And as I see the white screen of nothingness, the uh, the void of Facebook applications, I will quickly give out the, uh, <laughs> I will quickly give a shout out to MN Vikings Haven, MN Vikings Haven, Trevor Wickerin, the founder of that page, kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page. I am much obliged to give that Facebook page a shout-out and encourage you to join it. Nice in-game conversation, in-game threads, conversation throughout the week as Viking news breaks or just Vikings conversation is brought up as well. I'm going to check and see if there's visitor posts early so I could come back. No, there aren't, so we'll just stay in the regular threads here. So, we continue off of Simply Not Our Day, episode 27. Leland Albertson out of Iowa says, Thanks for the insights, Joey, and you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Um, ah, shoot. I was telling him I can't thank him enough for making me a part of his day. Here's Gerald. Yep, he says, Gerald out of Nebraska says, you know, I always watch the whole game uh, on Game Pass after the emotions have all worn off and just wanting to see how the game went. Wow, so many mistakes and maybe still would still should have won. That was, yep, the stupid Carolina game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Vikings obviously still should have won because uh, if... If just just one little thing, you know, just one more bleep and play, and that's the way it always is in football, isn't it? You're always kicking yourself with games like that. I uh, says obviously the two big plays kind of killed us, but still maybe now it's not a bad time to take a loss. And let's not forget the Panthers aren't a bad team. No, they're not. Um, we and they did us a huge thing today. They they killed Green Bay more essentially. Uh, he says we've had like one real home game, Rams, since Baltimore back on October 22nd. That's a long time ago. That's brutal. Can't fall into into that here-we-go-again BS. 
This is a great team and plenty of potential to do some amazing things. Let's take care of business and get back on winning track. Welcome home, Purple and Gold. And yes, they did a very good job in their first home game in a month. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time ago. A month. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I was still very much doing cleanups when the uh, the Washington Redskins game took place. That's the Vikings game <laughs> that made us 7-2 and two after the bye. So, I mean, it's a long, long, long time ago that the Vikings hosted a game. That Rams game was a fun, fun day. That was the that was the glass ceiling where you win this game and you're gonna get you're you're very much in position to get the first round by and maybe even be a Super Bowl type of team. And that's where the Vikings are heading. That was the stretch of games. That that stretch of road games and including the tough home game against the Rams where it was gonna make or break the season. And the way the Vikings came out of that with only one loss, and we're talking barely one loss. Barely one loss. We had tied the game up and stupid Cam Newton got loose because we just, I don't know, just made it, just missed. He just missed, like did not focus on Cam Newton, focused more elsewhere, which is just a dumb mistake. And, um, well, I mean, we just, we thought it was going to be a running back. We faked, it got faked out. And, uh, yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> here we are today, 11-3. and three. Still very much a chance the home field advantage does go through the NFC, uh, go through U.S. Bank Stadium, especially with Carson Wentz hurt. But um, we'll move forward. I was saying how Remmers and Elf Line return, Riley Reef and Mackenzie Alexander out. But no, thank you very much, Gerald. That was an awesome comment. And uh, yeah, very, very good points. The in-game thread, the post-game thread. I'm going to ding around in the in-game thread like I always do. Yep, Tony Coleman, Patrick Grant. Uh, we're saying Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. Yep, <laughs> like I played earlier. Now I have that soundbite I can use anytime. I'm very happy I was able to grab that today. Uh, Kurt back out of. Uh, I keep calling. I keep wanting to say Lakeville, but it's White Bear Lake. He says I knew it. Wow, 25 years. That was the last shutout. And I was talking. I put the same thing that I did on Twitter about the the whole situation with Teddy. Um, Tony Coleman was saying about the interception. Agreed. Too bad it happened, but better to happen now. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Tony Coleman is out of South Dakota. Dave Hickey says, I like the idea, that idea, Joey. Give Teddy a few reps, but Case wins the Fran Award again. And he did. What a game and year for Case. And what an amazing game and year for Case. It was Dave Hickey. Or it is still, un, you know, still got a long way to go here for some wonderful things. Um, 11 wins, playoffs for sure. And hopefully two more wins to be tacked on to that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Oh, the Wild not score there. God. Ah, Corey Crawford and the Blackhawks and Patrick Kane. Same two names. Oh, if any of you are Minnesota Wild fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I probably just made your blood boil saying those two names. Okay, let's go. Josh Mayer Henry says, I think old Teddy would have took off and ran sooner on that play. He is looking very indecisive on that play. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado. Yeah, and, you know, he was he was very indecisive. He's scared to death because in practice you don't get hit. And he hadn't been hit since the Seattle game in 2016, January 2016, that very cold day, the very last game for the Minnesota Vikings in TSE at Bank Stadium. We were hoping there might be another one, maybe the NFC title game, should the Vikings uh, be fortunate enough to uh, play an underdog. But that year, we would have been going to Carolina at some point. We would have had to beat Arizona, which I think the Vikings could have done. And I think our season would have ended in Carolina the way things were going. Because I don't think we were, well, I mean, maybe. Maybe we would have beat Carolina because the Vikings have that dangerous line with Denver. But I don't know. Would the Vikings have beaten Denver? I remember we lost to Denver earlier in the season. In Denver, to be fair. But um, maybe. That would have been a very close game, possibly, in the Super Bowl. 
I'm not sure now. <laughs> you never know. That team might have made an influential run. But let's do it this year then. This is our chance to do it. And it's, again, if the Vikings do win the Super Bowl this year, they will have earned it beyond belief because the competition is scary. That's that's what's different about this team. Like some of those other years, the Vikings looked so good. Things were, things were opened up a bit. Like, oh, this team isn't so good and that team isn't so good. You know, uh, in 2004, okay, there was or eight, nine, pardon me, Packers. The Packers were pretty good that year. I'm trying, and obviously the Saints were good, so Mickey Frickers, and then the Colts were 14 and 2. I think the Vikings would have beat the Colts, though. But again, Peyton Manning had almost always beaten the Vikings before that, so who knows? Let's continue. Yankees on out of, uh, out of, uh, Brooklyn Center says, no more shutout. Thanks, Teddy. <laughs> Kurt Back says, I wanted to say that statistic about the shutout. I did a search on ESPN and got no results. That tells me that Joey must have known the answer off the top of his head. Nope, not true. I will, uh, this guy is absolutely incredible. Incredible. Not very good looking though. Boom! Ah, sorry, Joe. And no, I'm not. But I have a face for radio, Kurt. If, if if you're listening, you better be listening, you son of a gun. And no, if he's listening, oh that guy. Um, and no, I did not get it off the top of my head. I do I do remember that game a little bit, and I was a full time fan of the Vikings already at that stage. Ninety three, nineteen ninety three. Yes, that was a long time ago. That was only twenty. Yeah, almost twenty five. Twenty three years ago. Back in the day, my friend, October 15th. Yeah. Uh, yep. That was when Tampa Bay really sucked. Let's continue. Uh, I was saying, can we? Can I say this? Floyd sucks. And Kurt said, Joey, did you see what I said about you? Oh, and I didn't respond to him. Yeah, yeah, you're a jackass, Kurt. Okay. You're a jackass, Kurt. Okay, I'm just kidding. Yes, I saw it. I I'm sorry, I didn't mean to blow you off. I was getting busy getting prepared for the show here a little bit, and I had to go grocery shopping too. So, Brett McCarthy, I almost said Brett Hundley. Oh, boy, I don't want to make you mad there. Sorry, because that's a Packer player. Nothing against Brett Hundley now, but against the Packers. Brett McCarthy says, kind of feel bad for the Bengals. They are dropping like flies with injuries. Not, yep. Hmm. Yeah, and they were dropping like flies. Cedric Paulding, NFC North champion, skull, and that's absolutely true. So now we slide into... The post-game thread. I might take around in the in-game one a little more. Tony Coleman shows, yep, the, the, the graphic on the screen there, on the TV screen, NFC North Division Champions. Yep. Uh, Eric Mostard says, Coach of the Year. Eric Mostard is also out of South Dakota. Brett McCarthy posts Skull, and that was uh, an image of Everson Griffin shouting Skull. Cedric Paulding shows another graphic saying NFC North Champions. Mm, Jeff Froyland who I believe is also out of uh, Iowa, if I remember correctly. Says, Christmas came early for me. Vikings win. And he who shall not be named loses. Skull, NFC North Division champions. That would be Green Bay related, I believe. Mark Carlson says, Punishers. And it was so good to see Teddy and hear the crowd go crazy. Yep, literally as Prince. Yeah, so now the Vikings are doing what the uh, Wild do with Prince. They're down 3 nothing, And that's not Patrick Kane. Okay. Okay, I'm distracted. Sorry. It says, hey, I have to mention, I saw John Randall, a football life program last night, and it was very moving and brought back some great memories. He was a hell of a player, wasn't he? Um, I said, so when during today's game, I saw John Randall's face on the Jumbotron making noise, I was so excited. Like he's still on the team in a way, getting the crowd riled up to make noise. Skull Vikings, I have confidence. 
Kings of the North from Gerald String. Skull, again, also with that skull and bones thing there. Um, you know what breaks my heart? This breaks my heart. John Randall's like 50 years old now. I, I can't believe that. I'm getting really old. Um, and John Randall, yeah, he was one of the superstar players of that 93 team. He was actually pretty young back then. Um, man, that's a long time ago. He wasn't even 30 back then. He was so good. And Man, time flies quickly. John Randall came in here in about in 1990. And Dennis Green said, you're going to be like the star. You're going to be starting at, at defensive tackle. And that was a surprise. I remember hearing that story. He was on Paul Allen this week. And he was talking about that. How, yeah, Dennis Green said, you're going to be the starting tackle. And it's like, we was like, what? Really? And yeah. And people kept saying, you're going to be a linebacker. And he said, no, I'm not going to be a linebacker. That was his brother. Uh, he was going to, they were trying to get him to play in Tampa, in Tampa Bay way back, and then he said, no, I'm going to go to Minnesota. There's, uh, I think I have more opportunities there. Came up here, and the rest is history. He's a Hall of Famer, and wow, and he really deserved to get in, and it was just an amazing story. So, very cool. Nice way to uh, wrap up that section. Mr. Uh, Mark Carlson out of Iowa, one of the legends of Purple Mafia. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, without a doubt. You know he's going to be in there <laughs> as soon as I announce the first group. Yeah, I mean, you guys are, there's certain people, man. It's just incredible. You guys are all so awesome, and I appreciate all of you so much. Um, um, Tony Coleman was hoping for a shout-out. Anyone, no one was the last time we got one. Yep, and that's what got going. 93, apparently, Tony. So, great conversation. All of you really appreciate the inclusion. Thank you for making me a part of your day, and uh, yeah, thank you for being a part of mine. I, I appreciate it very much. Ah, uh, Cedric Paulding was saying, we need this game big today. I'm glad Rudolph is playing. I hope we fee off the crowd and our O-line plays well. Defense needs to bounce back after <laughs> bounce back after last game. Yep, um, absolutely. Uh, so let's look to wrap it up. It is almost an hour and a half already. Holy cow. It's a pretty long show as well. Again, almost Christmas time and still got the tree going, of course. And it was nice to see my parents have one up this year, which they didn't last the last couple of years. It's really cool to see. I uh, want to thank you guys again for making me a part of everything. I should uh, mention the call-in lines, but um, no, I better pass out the awards first, the stars. The stars of the show, boy, there are so many. Um, you guys are the best, always. <sighs> Gold star of this show is going to go to... Oh my God, it's always so hard. Hmm. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard. It really is. I mean, I have about three or four people here that I say uh, probably guarantees uh, for this one. But it's hard to make a gold star. And again, you know, no, nobody take anything personal if you didn't get the gold or silver. And, and I don't think you do. I think you just love hearing your name mentioned in the stars. But maybe some people get annoyed, and I hope you don't. Uh, gold star for this show? Boy. Mm. I'm having a hell of a time here. <laughs> gold star for this show is going to be Mad Martin um, awesome Twitter and all that Twitter conversation like always always there always awesome so I'm going to give another gold star Gerald String you guys are going to share it this week uh, Mark Carlson and Cedric Paulding will share the silver see I'm just generous again season of giving and um, you know what Kurt Kurt's got to get a bronze at least Kurt and uh Kurt and uh, see Cedric Paulding and yep Mark Carlson got the silver 
Gerald String shared it with uh, the gold with... Uh, yep. So Dave Hickey is going to share it with Kurt. You guys are just the best. Thank you so much for your inclusion on this show. And, uh, you know, a lot of you guys get stars. Uh, Brett McCarthy... Josh Mayer, Henry, you guys have gotten many golds and silvers over the years, too, and over the weeks, too. So, I mean, obviously, you know, so all, all of you guys have many stars in your trophy cases. Anybody out there crying out for one, you deserve one. Uh, Patrick Grant's going to get a bronze, too. That guy does. That guy deserves recognition. He's, he's, he's always, you know, he's always there, and I love it how he says Vikings win, enough said. I, I just love that, how he jumps in, and I love the confidence and how he's just a big fan, and he's, he's, he always comes, he doesn't say much, but when he does say stuff, it's fun. It's interesting, and it's fun. So Patrick Grant's going to get a bronze as well. I gave out a ton today, because <laughs> usually, you know, it should just be one, two, three, and you're and that's it, but I don't know. I just feel generous, especially uh, during Christmas season and everything. And I don't know. And it's been such a fun and joyous ride. Uh, this team is hell to cover in years like 2010, 2011. Just hell. 2013, hell to cover. Though 13 was kind of interesting. As awful as it was, it was interesting. 14 had some fun and interest to it. It was intriguing because you could see the future coming. 15 was just a blast until that damn Seattle game at the end. As good as the Vikings are doing, Wild finally scored. It's about bleeping time. Well, and it's Dumba again. Darkwing Dumba. Check out Brave the Wild, the Minnesota Wild podcast. Brave the Wild. Check that out if you haven't yet. I love talking hockey on there. Um, and, yep, yeah, last year, 2016, the first five games, I mean, your, your heart's just pumping. You're like, wow, this is a historically good defense. And Sam Bradford isn't, man, Sam Bradford, he's finally getting a chance with these weapons around him. And other than the offensive line sucking a little bit, man, this looks like a magical season. And the offensive line ended up really, really sucking. And that kind of uh, created an aftershock and created waves in a negative direction. And things sent the shock waves in the wrong direction for the Vikings. And we all know how that ended up. Uh, the last 11 games or so were just balls to cover. They really were. Uh, that Jacksonville game, I kind of sat back and enjoyed it. But, man, you just sit back and think, though, how terrible was Jacksonville just a year ago? Remember when we beat the Jaguars in November, if I remember correctly? Late in the season, we beat them to kind of semi-stay alive. And it kind of looked like September there because it's, you know, it, it was cooling down a bit. It had that, the grass had that September look to it. Like how when it starts to kind of dry and be a little cooler, it's not that hot, humid, burning up look. Um it had that drier, cooler, but still summer, springish, summerish kind of temperatures. Um, it was interesting. It looked like September. It was weird, but yeah, because their November is our September, basically in Florida. But you sit back and look at how awful Jacksonville was, and how easily we won that game. Even though, actually, no, we didn't win it easy because we were we were terrible too. We were just screwing around, but we still won because of how awful Jacksonville was. And then you sit back and look at Jacksonville, and you're like, what the hell? I mean. So it shows you how quickly a team can change when management knows what they're doing, and there's a little teeny bit of luck involved too. Uh, certain talented defensive players that were drafted, say in 2012, 13, 14 for the Vikings, are paying off, and just like they are paying off for the Jaguars now. Uh, so it's stuff like that. Interesting how quickly a team can change, even when they sucked for like a decade there. Uh, Jacksonville clinched their first playoff berth today, first time since 2007, David Gerrard, and I remember that very well. I remember how that team was kind of decent, but then they just couldn't get anywhere. They were just okay, and they lost to the Jets, if I remember correctly, the New York Jets in that playoff game, if I remember correctly. Um, back in 07, I was working in service back then. I'll just leave it at that. I hated that job, but I was there for 
a little while there. Uh, yeah, longer than I should have been, <laughs> probably. Uh, mm. So, stars handed out. Uh, Christmas conversation a little bit. Yep, just, you know, I'm looking forward to it and hoping Vikings uh, have a little happier uh, uh, Christmas Eve type of situation than last year with Green Bay. You know, similar, just a day difference, 23rd instead of 24th. Saturday Saturday at 7.30. That's going to be the interesting part of it. A little different timing. So I'll get the show out at some point at the latest Christmas day. I don't know. Probably not Christmas day, though. But maybe if I have to, I'll record it in the morning on Christmas day. That's kind of crazy, but I might do it. Um, we'll see. <sighs> yeah, I have the free time to do it that morning, believe it or not. So sounds crazy, but my wife will be at the airport that day, so in the morning parts. So I'll have time to record if it comes to that. Otherwise, Sunday, preferably on Christmas Eve. Um, so let's give out the phone line, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Purple Mafia. Give your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. It's a three-minute limit on the voicemail because it really is a voicemail. Um and then there's the call now button on the Facebook page. Takes you to the same number through Facebook Messenger, and you're on the show that way. Same three-minute limit, like I just said. And then there's the audio submission route, which Mad Martin does. He has the green light with that. Sebastian has the green light and others. There is no limit to that one. Um, I prefer most people would keep it to five-ish minutes, but certain shows you could go up to 20, 30. You know, I mean, you, you could even go up to 20 minutes or something on like a State of the Vikings show. Or if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, you know what? Just call in. It's, it could be a three-hour show where basically I do maybe about an hour, hour and a half of show or so. Maybe two hours max because I can't stop talking, that type of thing. But I would give you guys, just you call in, you enjoy. I put it all in there and just let you talk. I don't comment on it. I just let you talk. Why would I comment on it? There's nothing I need to say. Let you have the floor. Keep my mouth shut. Let you enjoy your moment of passion and excitement. So that's just a heads up. If the Vikings do win the Super Bowl, every damn one of you out there that wants to be on this that, that show, you go right ahead, and I will sit back, relax. After If the calls keep coming in, they'll go on the next show at certain times. Like, say, if it's like two or three days later or something, they'll go on the next episode. They'll all get on, and I'll sit back and let you enjoy but um, that show could be a really long one because I've just put those calls in in segment number three and do this. Uh, you know, uh, I, will let, I will let you talk and enjoy and then I'll get to the Facebook page and blah, blah, blah. So that's just a little heads up should the most wonderful happy ending ever happen for our Purple Mafia, should they enter Valhalla at long last. So... There it is. Uh, thanks again for listening. Tell your friends about the show. Please give a positive rating to Purple Mafia on iTunes. Those of you guys that did just recently, thank you so much. And I gave you stars in the last show. You both got gold stars because it's been so long. Man, I've been quiet on there. Thanks again in advance for those of you that just may end up doing that. And God bless. Take care, be safe, and we'll hopefully have a, a very Merry Christmas in <laughs> Green Bay, Wisconsin. The frozen tundra.